Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, so we are talking about marriage. We're in the middle of a marriage series called The Vow. And last week, we got all kinds of awkward laughter out. I even made someone spit out their drink in the middle of the message. So that was my, my, it was like a highlight of my ministry so far, honestly. Uh, so beware if you're taking a drink. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but we're, we're really going to dive into uh, what marriage, uh, how we Im- improve our marriages today. And if you're not married, um, if you're thinking about being married, if you're dating someone, this is very, very, very applicable to you uh, to this morning as well. Uh, none of this is kind of in a vacuum. It's all how we kind of shape our life. So if you're going, I'm not even, I, there's nobody on the radar. I'm just going to check out right now and, and doodle. Don't do that. Continue to press in. You're going to, uh, you're going to get glean some good things out of here. Okay. I promise you that. Uh, every time I preach on marriage, all kinds of weird stuff happens. I don't know if my wife knows it, but she starts acting incredibly crazy whenever I talk about marriage. She's not in here today, so it's okay. I know, um, right? But that's what, that always happens. Like you get into a marriage series and it's like, what is happening? And I have to go back and like, I got to put this in practice. Got to put this in practice. Got to put this in practice. And so she said, she did one of the points I talked about last week. Uh, she's like, I saw it like word for word. She re- repeated a, a thing that I had been talking about back to me. And I was like, did you listen to the message? And she's like, no, I haven't got to it yet. And I was like, oh, hmm. she's like, why? And I was like, because you're just repeating what I said. It's just like, well, I didn't listen to it. It's like, well, why didn't you listen to my message? And so <laughs> we had to circumnavigate the issues that were going on. But it was just really funny because she was repeating verbatim back to me what I'd already told you all to do when you got in this, that particular situation. So a little bit of advice. If your husband or if your wife starts to use something we've talked about here, Do not say, you're only doing that because Jared said so. Keep my name out your mouth. All right? (laughs) Do not do that. So here's the deal. If you see your husband or your wife trying to do one of the things that we're talking about, know this. They're trying to do one of the things that we're talking about. So don't get all negative and like, you're only doing that because Jared said so. That's, stop it. That was a lot. Don't do that either. Uh, So... It's just part of it. Like, don't, don't do that because you, we, we, we cut out the knees, just totally cut it out when we, uh, kind of jump there in our head. And it's so easy to do, especially in the heat of an argument, right? Like I just need something to throw at you right now. Cause I know 10 minutes from now, I'm going to have the perfect rebuttal, but right now all I got to do is don't quote Jared to me. Don't quote Jared to you. Don't do that. Keep my name out your mouth. Uh, so there we go. Uh, some, some people of you have admitted, I I'm going to quote Jared. Don't, don't do that. I'm not good in my own arguments. I'm not going to be good for yours either. Um, all right. So that's, that's what happens. Um, so today we're talking about pursuit. It's the second, uh, vow we're going to take. I will pursue my number two. I will, I promise to pursue my number two. Um, this pursuit thing you've probably all experienced in some way to, um, when you're a teenager, um, this, or in college age twenties that you did something stupid in pursuing someone else. Uh, anybody have a per- dumb pursuing story? No, you guys were all mature. I'm the only one that was borderline stalker creepy, right? Okay. Um, so there's a big difference in, in what it looks like when you are a stalker or you're being charming. Guys, there's a huge difference. And you need to take notes on this. You are a stalker 
when she doesn't like it. If she thinks it's cute, you are charming. I know that's unfair. It's the way it works. Okay? So, guys, if you approach a girl and you do something nice, blah, 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 and she's like, yeah. Then you go, huh. If I do any more, I'll be a stalker. You turn around, you say, you have a nice life. You walk away. If, as a guy, you try to do something nice, she rebuffs it, she does not like it, and you say, that's okay. You have a nice day. And you walk away. And she's like, what just happened? She will now like you. (laughs) All the women are like, don't tell them them their secrets. That's the way it works. I I fell into the friend zone. I fell into the, I'm a nice guy all the time. And I kept, oh, Jerry, I just need to find a guy like you. I'm standing right here. (laughs) If I would have gone, cool, have a nice day and walked away, they'd have been like, oh, The only girl I was ever a jerk to, the only girl I ever treated poorly, and not that poorly, but treated poorly, is the one I'm married to today. (laughs) Happily married for 15 years, been together for 19, and uh, I was only a jerk to her for the first two weeks, and then after that, I was was done, (laughs) right? But that, I I, I blame that. That was the key. Be a little bit of a jerk and you're good to go. Don't be a jerk. That's not from the pulpit. It's not God ordained. Nothing. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So that's the line between creepy and stalker. And, and um, if she doesn't like it, you just turn away and it's okay. It's cool. But if she does, she's like, oh, well, that's interesting. You kind of step into it. Um, I think I fell in both of those. My, I'm going to tell you an embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing pursuit story. I was in ninth grade. This is pre-Kelly. Um, ninth grade. I was in um, show choir. Now, you can judge me if you'd like. I don't care. Um, there was five guys in show choir and 36 girls. You tell me why I was in show choir. Uh, there's a couple bonuses for being in show choir. Uh, one, you learn how to at least keep a beat and dance a little bit so you don't make a total fool of yourself at school dances. And the girls go, hey, he knows how to dance. Now, when it comes dance time, you've got a date. Those rest of the guys are like, mm, like this. At least can do grease lightning and do go, go grease lightning. <laughs> True story. Uh, that's not the embarrassing part. Hey, we're gonna have fun today. Um, so, so there I was in ninth grade. We're, we were studying Romeo and Juliet in ninth grade, um, a lit. And so the homework assignment, if you so dare, was to write a sonnet in iambic pentameter, just like good old Shakespeare. And so I wrote a sonnet to my girlfriend, Julie Nylander. God rest her soul. No, I so, uh, so, so wrote a sonnet to her. No, I mean, for class, I just wrote the, wrote the thing, but it was with her in mind because I was a spitting ninth grader. And I got an A on it, so I was excited. And then it got around the show choir that Jared wrote a sonnet in iambic pentameter. Because what ninth grade girl doesn't want a sonnet written to her when she's reading Romeo and Juliet? This is like, put it the ball on T, hit, home run. Um, and so my choir teacher goes, Jared, I will give you an A right now if you will read that to the class. You mean I get to impress 36 girls all at the same time? Yes, I will step into that. So I read my Shakespearean iambic pentameter sonnet to the whole pizzazz class of uh, 1996. Wow, that's embarrassing. So when we start sharing photos and pictures for our 20th class reunion, and we have a Facebook group, guess what? 
everyone remembers of that fateful day in February in 1996. Oh, you remember when Jared stood up and made a total fool of himself, read that stupid corny poem? I didn't think it was corny or stupid. But that was me because I was pursuing a girl. I was head over heels for this young woman from Kokomo, Indiana, because I was pursuing her as a ninth grader and all kinds of dumb stuff happens when you're a ninth grader. That's where I was. What were you doing? You're judging me right now. It's okay. (laughs) How many of you stayed up way too late on the phone? No, you hung up. No, you hung up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. I just want to listen to you breathe. Right now, the nervous laughter. How was he there? Like, uh, <laughs> this stuff happens all the time in this weird pursuing. You drive a stupid amount of distance. You uh, make the dumbest plans ever. You will travel for a day for five minutes of just maybe the chance of seeing someone. As a dad, I'm, I am like planning out what this is going to look like when some Yahoo shows up uh, for Kindle. And I'm like, go away. Yeah, you drove four hours. Don't care. Go away. That's what Kelly's dad should have done to me. He should have been like, no, Jared, go away. Uh, it, it should have happened. But we pursue. We pursue. We do things we don't like to do. We learn things we don't want to learn about. We get involved in things we just don't care about because we're pursuing the person. Because if it's important to you, it's going to be important to me because I want to be close to you. And that's what like dating looks like. That's what pursuit looks like. There's something wrong though. We get married and we're like, don't have to do that anymore. There's a problem. That person is still important. That person still needs to be pursued. That person still needs to be chased. They still need to be know that they are important to you, that their heart matters to you. And so today we're going to talk about the art of pursuing, what that looks like, how we do that. How we need to re-engage that into our marriage. Some of us are in a place, we came this morning, and we're at a place in our marriage, and we're like, pursuing, I don't even want to be near this person. So we're going to talk about all kinds of different levels of how we just start to turn our heart towards our number two, our spouse, okay? Also, uh, sometimes in that pursuing, here's, here's a, just a natural law. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. And so if we have, um, if there is a job that we want, we kind of pursue that. If there's something we want to purchase, we kind of work towards that. If we, uh, whatever that is, for some reason, we're drawn to things that we don't already have. Once we obtain it, we're like, oh, I have that. I'll dust it every once in a while and that's cute. We do that with our relationships and that's very, very, very dangerous because it leads to all kinds of bad things. So like this universal law of the grass looks greener, right? Water your own lawn, all right? If the grass looks greener, water your own lawn or yard, if you will. <laughs> you can have a yard, a lawn, or whatever you'd like there. I didn't memorize the thing. I'm sorry. I, gee whiz. Everybody's a critic. I love you. <laughs> if, if the grass looks greener, time to water your own yard. All right? You got to do that. Because there's a deal. If you start looking around like, wow, that's an interesting opportunity. Whether, whether that's with business, whether that's with your kids. You ever done that? Man, I wish my kid acted that way. You're not home with my kid. 
You're all, every one of you are like, oh, Lucy's just so cute. She's so adorable. <laughs> she's two. Okay. Uh, she's two. And if you don't give her her mini glass in the appropriate amount of time, her head starts turning around and pea soup starts coming out. Okay. It's crazy. So if you, if you think, oh, if I just had your kids, if I just had your wife, if I just had your job, things would be better. No, 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 no. Let's not just, just look at somebody else's yard. Let's water our own. So if you think someone else's kids are better, how about we divert that to paying attention to our kids? Not holding them to a crazy standard, but, but investing in them. If, if we think someone else's marriage is better, then we, we don't go, oh man, I wish I, wish I had, had that. You turn around and go, how do I invest in my own marriage so that it becomes better? How do we invest in uh, your job? Maybe you're thinking, man, if I just had a different job, what does, do you really need a new job or you just need to kind of reinvent yourself in your own job? This continues to happen over and over again. So, uh, we, by nature, it's easy. We just kind of fall into it. We want to pursue something that we, uh, don't have. I understand that, but we need to continue to water our own yard. The vows. Uh, we're making these vows because 50% of marriages fail. 50% of marriages fail. Now, like we talked about last week, if you, your child had a 50% chance of being mauled by a bear on the way to school, you would do something different, right? And I would akin getting a divorce to having your kid being mauled by a bear. That might be a little harsh, but it's pretty true. You don't get to talk to people. You talk to kids. I talk to my, my son's friends. I talk to, um, talk to my own friends. I walk through uh, divorces with, with, with my um my friends and in college, it's, as soon as I got to college, it's like everybody's like, oh, they went to college. They won't care anymore if we get a divorce. False. They care a lot because I got to walk with my friends through those horrible moments. It's just tough stuff. It's akin to getting mauled by a bear. So we've got to make some choices. We've got to make some changes. We've got to step into different kinds of, uh, of habits that makes us, that changes that ratio. It just changes that what's going on. We cannot continue with these habits. We cannot continue with these results. Kelly and I were talking about uh, the twins are nine. Lucy's two. But we're already petrified of who they're going to bring home. Right? So can we just have arranged marriages again? Like we picked them out. We're like, oh, their kid, that kid's cool. That kid, that kid's cool. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, and they live in Florida, so like, you know, for vacations, we could go to their house. <laughs> we actually did uh, have that conversation. But um, you're just petrified of it because this ratio is just scary. So how do we as a married couple instill and model everything that we possibly can to know that, uh, that we've done our best to show these kids what a positive, healthy marriage looks like? We've got to do this. The vows. I promise that, uh, that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. I promise that my, um, that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. Vow two. I promise to always pursue my two. I promise to always pursue my two. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This word united is the Hebrew word debak, D-A-B-A-Q. Well, it's actually some Hebrew letters, but whatever. Debak, 
right? It's this united to cleave to, to adhere towards, but specifically in regards to being chased. So kind of like this chasing and then grabbing a hold of. Okay, it's used in military ways. It's used in, in relationship ways. When you're pursuing, it's a hunting kind of word. When you're pursuing someone and just grab a hold, won't let go, cling on to, just got you. You know, like the, the two-year-old when you get home, daddy, 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 on the, that's a debacle. Okay? And that's how we need to be with our spouses. Right? Maybe you need to have your own space and have your own, uh, your own identities and whatever. But it's just, I have clung to you. I've been united with you. I, I'm holding on. It's used a couple times in scriptures and Psalms. I will follow close behind you. This is in regards to God. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted in Job 41. And in judges in a military way, they pursued hard after them. This is uh, just kind of just stories of this debacle. This, I'm going to chase you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to cling to you. And we've got to recapture this kind of idea in our marriage. That I will pursue you whether you've been married for 15 years or five minutes. That I will pursue you. Um, there's a biblical story of pursuit. Now, it kind of it's a, it's an interesting, weird story. Um, remember, this story was one of the oldest uh, happenings in the Bible. It's probably I think it's in Genesis thirty six, thirty seven. Uh, so about five thousand years ago, this happening happened. So the uh, socioeconomic role of women was drastically different than now. Okay, I, I want you. To, Understand that. Don't be like, well, the Bible's so chauvinist. Like this, it was 5,000 years ago. It was a different roles and w- way in which the Bible, Bible worked or the world worked. Okay. Um, so there is a lot of application we can pull from this. There is a little thing called bigamy going on in this story. Um, so don't get too wrapped up in that. And there's also a dad giving away his daughters as property. I get that, but you're going to have to put that in a box so we can get the goodie out of it. Okay. There's a lot of good, good stuff in there, but it's just 5,000 years ago. The world worked differently than it does today. Okay. Um, so it's Jacob and the story of Jacob and Rachel. Jacob and Rachel. So Jacob is the biggest, the second biggest sleazeball in the Bible. The first biggest sleazeball in the Bible is his father-in-law, Laban. These guys are jerk faces to the max. Okay, so Jacob comes upon, I'm just going to tell you the story. Jacob comes upon a well. He's going, uh, kind of trying to actually get to Laban's house because um, he heard he had some daughters. And he's like, hey, how you doing? Uh, so he goes, finds this well, and he looks, and this beautiful young woman comes up to the well. And he's like, well, hello. And what's your name? Rachel. And he's like, I think you're the girl I'm looking for. Yes, in fact, I'm, I'm sure you're the girl I'm looking for. Follows her home, talks to her father, and says, hey, your daughter. I'm your, like, cousin, second removed, whatever, so we should, we should do something here, and I want to marry your daughter. Oh, you do? Yeah, Rachel. I want to marry Rachel. The Bible says she was beautiful, figured, wonderful, amazing, wow, woman. And then she has this older sister, Leah, and the Bible says she was weak-eyed. Rachel gets this whole, dis- this whole descriptor, and Leah's like, she's weak-eyed. Or Leah, so it's like, ouch. Um, uh, so once again, 5,000 years ago, not really the, the most PC thing in the world, but they. Um, and so, but, jo- but Jacob is going, I, I want to marry Rachel. I'm smitten with Rachel. I want to I wanna marry Rachel. And Laban's like, how much do you want to uh, marry Rachel? Why don't you work for me for seven years, and then I'll give you her hand in marriage. Just 
Yes, fine. I'll give up seven years of my life to pursue this woman. Okay. Day of the wedding comes. I get married. Wake up the next morning. You're not Rachel. You're Leah. We got a problem. All right. So it goes to Laban. As I, some issues we've got to work out through here, but he go, goes to Laban. What are you doing? Well, what's this? We got a problem. All right? Well, yeah, we do. Well, it's not our custom to give away the second daughter first. We give away the first daughter first. But I wanted to marry Rachel. I pursued Rachel. I gave up seven years of my life for Rachel. What are we going to do about this? Laban says, I'll tell you what. You work seven more years for me. I'll give you Rachel. Okay. Now, depending on how you, uh, you interpret the rest of that story, him and Rachel were married then, or uh, they waited the other thing. I, th- I think that Rachel was married to him then, and he had the two wives for the remaining of the seven. Okay. Not another seven and then get married again. And so you can imagine some, you thought you had an interesting relationship with your sister, right? Um, so we have some interesting stuff going on. We have some weird family dynamics. Yes, we have all that. But what I want to take from this interesting story is the heart of pursuit that Jacob had. He was not just like, whatever. I gave you seven years. I'm done. I'm done pursuing you. I'm not going to give you seven more years. It's this is like half my life we're, we're talking about here. I'm out. No, no, no. He, he has her and he continues to pursue after her. And I, I love that. Like he pursues after he gives up his best time of his life to pursue after this woman. And she's known as the one that, that Jacob loves for all eternity. This is their love story is like the Romeo and Juliet of the old Testament. And Jacob pursues Rachel. And this idea of pursuit is what we have to kind of honor and get into today. So we're going to get really, 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 really practical about ways in which you can pursue your spouse uh, this morning. Before we go there, I want to say, if you're in a dating relationship in this moment, if you're in a dating relationship right now and you're not being pursued end the relationship, because once you get married, there will not be any more pursuit. Like things don't automatically get better because he put a ring on it. That doesn't happen. It's not the way it works. So if you're in a dating relationship and, and you don't, and there's never any like pursuit happening or whatever, you, you're now with a parasite. You're not with a partner and you got it. You got to end that. Okay. So, um, that might be tough for you. Anytime I do a marriage series, I did with youth. I used to do uh, conferences and I used to do, um, marriage series with my, with the youth ministry. And when I would, my goal at the end of the time was to have kids break up. That was my goal, right? And so I want you to realize you can be free. You don't need to stay in this relationship. Um, it's, it's okay when you're dating. Now, when you're married, we got a whole nother set of priorities we got to work into. When you're married, we have a whole, you can't just be like, well, he doesn't pursue me. I'm done. Nope. That's where the work's going to happen now. Okay. But if you're dating, it's okay to say bye-bye-bye. It's okay. When we're married, we got to pursue. Um, so we got to close the gap between intentions and actions, close the gap between intentions and actions, because it's really nice on Sunday morning at 1047 to say, I'm going to pursue my spouse. And then Monday night, 
You got a to-do list a mile long. You got all these things you got to do. And you're like, I'll get to it Wednesday. And then Wednesday comes along and, well, the kids had to do this and the kids had to go here and, oh, da, 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 and I fell asleep and uh, I'll pursue them later. We got to close the gap between what we, our intentions and our actions. And so we got to get really, really practical with that. I don't think pursuing someone uh, is as hard as maybe we make it out to be. We don't have to do the grand uh, gestures. I'm not asking anyone to write a sonnet in iambic pentameter. Let's just do some simple things that can start to change our attitudes uh, and our mindsets uh, towards our spouses. Okay. What I need you to stop doing, which I need you to start doing, stop taking for granted. Stop taking your spouse for granted. Stop taking them for granted. They are a team member, but they are also a wonderful, beautiful person that God has put in your life. Stop taking them for granted. They are not an employee. Every once in a while, you'll hear, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to somebody um, about their marriage and it's, it feels like someone, one of the partners feels like the other person is their employee. It's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Stop it. Stop taking them for granted. Second thing, stop thinking the worst. Stop it. If you expect the worst, you'll get the worst. It's just the way it works. Stop thinking the worst. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Stop thinking the worst. But you don't know. I don't understand, but stop it. Start speaking love. Start speaking love love and start pursuing. How do we do these things? When you think something good, say it. When you think something good, say it, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews three thirteen. When you think something good, say it. My uh, father-in-law had a running joke, and I don't know if he lived this out that way, but it was his joke, was that I told my wife I loved her, and I'll let her know if something changes. <laughs> my father-in-law is a great man, uh, but he's like, what are you doing? Stop it! Right? That's a, just a of joy. Now, he was a great loving man and, 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 and just good dude, but however, on this particular point, Need to improve that one, okay? So if that's your philosophy, I told my wife I loved her when I married her. What else does she want? I pay the bills. Shut up. Tell her. Tell her she looks wonderful. Tell her that you'd marry her all over again. If you think something good, say it. I don't express my feelings very good. I'm a Chicago male. Get over it. <laughs> when you think something good, say it. Uh, pursue her with words of affection. Pursue her with words of affection or him with words of affection as well. Pursue him with words of affection. I would marry you all over again. You're amazing. Thank you for this. It means so much to me when you do this, this, and this. Say it. Now, when your husband today at three o'clock says something like this to you, do not Use my name. He's trying, all right? You've been praying for it. Go with it. <laughs> what what I say before? Stop thinking the worst. He's trying, okay? Pursue her with words of affection. Men, this means with non-sexual affection. 
non-sexual affection. We can make anything sexual. Ladies, you may not know this. We are trained by the age of about 10 in any sports thing that we do to make everything sexual. We're trained. And some guys never get out of it. Like I'll, I'll be talking at a coach's meeting or whatever. And I'm there and I'm like, these guys, wow. Like you are 40 years old. Time to grow up, Bob. And then it's always fun. It's always fun. Cause I can make people spit out the Cokes when I go and they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> 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 they're like, oh, oh, yeah. well, I go to, uh, no, you don't shut up. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> it happens all the time. It's so much fun. But it, <laughs> it just happens. But here's the deal, because we were trained, our brains are wired in which that is the goal of every single conversation with everything that we do. It doesn't have to be. So guys, we have to get that out of our head. Every back rub doesn't have to lead to something more. Every, hey, I don't, we did the dishes. Congratulations, you did the dishes. <laughs> You're not four anymore, right? <laughs> so, like... Not everything has to lead to something else. It needs to be life-giving, life-empowering. The rest will take care of itself. Pursue her with words of affection. Maybe, maybe you need to do this. I love you, and this is, this is so powerful. Like You can say, I love you all the time. I love you, I love you, I love you, whatever. I love you, but if you put this little word and the rest of the sentence in there, I love you because... Right. I love you. Oh, I even got an awe out of it. All right, guys, I got a, I got an awe out of it. I love you because you do this. You are this. I see who you're trying to be. I love you because of boom, 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 boom. It makes it so much more powerful. Ladies, he will become what you see in him. This is your superpower. Guys are like, don't tell her this. No, no. This is your superpower. You want your husband to be different? Don't tell him what he's not. Tell him what he can be. All right? You will never badger your husband into the husband you want. It will not happen. Tell him what you see him that he can be. I, I, I know you can do, I know you can make this sale. I know you can be the businessman you want to be. I know you can be the father that you want to be. I know you can be, but I don't know all your situations, but speak that into them. It's your superpower. All of a sudden, lo and behold, you'll see it happen. It's amazing. Men, what she wants to know, what she wants to know is, do you love her today? Do you love her after three kids? Do you love her after a career? Do you love her after all you've been through? Do you love her today? Answer that with, I love you because. Ladies, what he wants to know is, do you believe in me today? Think about, I mean, every great crazy thing that's ever happened in this world has happened because a woman talked a guy into it or they were trying to, trying to impress her. Right? It is. You're like, every, every great story, everything is like, there's a girl involved somewhere. Because we get stupid when girls believe in us. We get passionate when girls believe in us. We'll do anything because a woman said, I think you can do this. So the question is, the guys have, do you believe in me today? 
And ladies, maybe it's hard. You're like, Jared, you have no idea how many times he's disappointed me. You have no idea how many times he's been an idiot. You have no, many, uh, no idea how many times blank, 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 blank. Well, pick a small one and go with that one. Okay? Start small. I, be- <laughs> I believe that this is going to be who you're going to be. You're going to be this guy. You're going to be this. You're going to be this. Start small. Work big. It'll happen. Second thing. When you think of something special, do it. You see how that you, 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 you can think these things, but you have to do them. Um, when you think of something special, do it. If anyone that knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James chapter four, verse 17. If you know the good and you don't do it, what are, what are you doing? I mean, I, I know I should do this for my wife. But the Cubs game's on. Eh, I'm tired. I know I should do this, but... Uh, if you think of something fun to do, something special to do, go do it. Jared, I don't have any money. That's fine. Go to the park. Right? Do something. Guys, it's real easy for you. Take the kids and bathe them. <laughs> right? Like, that bar is really low, okay? <laughs> bathe those kids. Feed those kids. Make sure, let her go out and make sure they're alive when they come back. It's fine. Stupid brownie points when that happens, right? Fill the tank with gas. Write a thoughtful note. Make a bed. Watch a movie together. Do something that your spouse loves. Because you would have done it when you were dating. Why don't you do it now? But I don't care about that board game he likes so much. Learn to play. But I don't want to watch the organization lady on Netflix. I know. I know. All you gotta do is say, honey, is there something you think we need to get rid of? That's not mine? Uh, <laughs> whoop. Um, uh, that, I'm inviting fights on that one. If, if you do that, come back to me, we'll talk. Uh, but anyway, um, when you think of something special, do it. Number three, when you want something different, be it. When you want something different, be it. A lot of you, your spouses aren't here. Like, well, this is all nice and good. If we could work together as a team in here, I totally understand that. But if your spouse isn't here, you've got to go ahead and be the person that you're supposed to be. You can't control the other person. You've learned that. If you've been married for five minutes, you know you cannot control the other person. They are their own person. And so you've got to take care of you. You can't. Badger them into being who they're going to be. You dream for them who they're going to be. But you go ahead and be the person that you can be. When you want something different, be it. Right? There's always those gripes. If she would only do this, if he would only be, don't gripe about what your spouse is not. Continue to grow into who you are supposed to be. Don't gripe about what your spouse is not. Continue to grow into who you're supposed to be. It's a beautiful thing about women. I have two superpowers. The other one is this. Women are multipliers. They multiply things. You give them love, they make babies. It's amazing. You give them a bachelor pad, they will make a home. Like, how do you do that? That was a nasty couch that smelled funny. I don't know how many gallons of Febreze you poured on it, but you know, you, you made this place and this junkiness and this, that orange chair, you made it a home. How did you do that? 
They multiply. You give them problems, they'll make lots and lots and lots of more problems. They multiply. It's your superpower. They got two of them. They're amazing with them. So what we have to do is that you understand, like, if you give them love, they will make a home that's amazing. You give them words of affirmation, you'll have a different wife. You believe in your husband, you'll have a different husband. You start doing these things for, for your wife, I'm telling you, things start changing. They want to know, are they loved today? Some of these things might be very, very difficult for you to start incorporating. Some of you are in the middle of a drag out fight this morning and you come with a smile on your face, but you're like, and it's boiling just sitting here in the chair. You got to let that go. I have text this morning, text this morning of people I've been wanting to come to church uh, for so long and they texted me this morning, we can't make it. And I'm like, You let that fight keep you away from church. No. You got to get through that. You got to work through those things. Start small. These are easy things. You think something good? Like, Jared, I haven't thought anything good about her in forever. Pick one. Your shoes match today. Like, just start small. You guys are giggling, but some of you are like, I'm going to go with that one. Because I, I see, I know things. I know the deeper levels. I know where the, where the stuff and the, the, the pain is. And you see people and you go, oh my gosh, how, do you, how is that your reality every day? And you need this pursuing. Because you fell in love with that person at one time. You've got to commit to pursuing them again. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. So you're like, I've never done that. I've never said I love you to her. I've never taken her out for that kind of thing. I've never done this for him. Are you happy with your results right now? No? Then try something new. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. And finally, to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. If I thought Kelly to feel love needed a sonnet and iambic pentameter, I would remember how to write a sonnet and iambic pentameter all over again. If I thought she needed a weird phone call at 11 o'clock at night and me breathe in the stupid phone, I would breathe in the stupid phone. If I needed to buy a home phone line so I could get a calling card and type all the digits in and do it, I'd do it all over again because I want to pursue my wife. So to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Remember, you cannot criticize yourself into a better spouse. So please don't take the stuff to fix them. It's not about fixing them. It's about getting you right. You become the spouse that you would love to have. Things will start changing. This is not a quick fix. This is not a new spouse by Friday. It's not. This is life-altering months and years of prayer and work and changing. There's, no, there's not a quick fix on this. It took you years to get to this spot. It's going to take you some time to get out of the spot, right? But we start applying these things. We destroy that 50% rate. That bear's coming. Let's be loaded for it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Uh, ben, come on forward. Um, 
God, thank you so much for today. We have all kinds of marriages this morning here. We have good ones. We have bad ones. We have the ones in between. We need you to bless our marriages and bless our attitudes, bless our tongues that we would know when to speak and when to shut up. Lord, this morning we make for you, make you our number one so that we can be a better number two. This morning we say, God, I want you to be the number one of my life so I can start to get my priorities aligned so the rest of it will flow in the right direction. Now, I don't know where we come at this morning and what we've got going on in our life, but we've got all kinds of messes, all kinds of stuff going on. And so, Lord, right now, we just, we humble ourselves to you and say, God, I give you this relationship. I give you this marriage. I've been trying all kinds of different ways to fix it. Oprah didn't fix it. That book didn't fix it. My friends didn't fix it. My mom didn't fix it. But right now, God, I want to give you this relationship. And I understand that's not a, not a quick fix. It's not something that happens overnight or is going to happen in the next five minutes, God. But right now, I want to promise that I will pursue my number two. So I give you my life, God. Ignite a passion for my spouse in my heart. Reawaken my desire for them. We love you. We praise your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.